man cave. A sanctuary. A sacred place. A place where we can go talk about the things we want to talk about. A place where we're surrounded by our favorite teams. A place where everyone is welcome. Grab a seat and a beverage. This is the Man Cave Podcast with Dan Casper. What up, peeps? Dan Casper here for another episode of the Man Cave Podcast. Big thanks for all of you tuning in and and uh, giving us the pod, giving the podcast a shot, giving it a listen. Tell your friends. Let's get this thing going. Let's pipe it up a little bit more. Pass it along. Tell your grandma. Tell your grandpa, aunts and uncles, kids about the Man Cave Podcast presented by Twisted Tate. Probably shouldn't tell your kids that. Uh, coming up in this podcast, or so, coming up in this episode, I should say, kind of uh, three different uh, three different areas uh, of topics we're going to cover. Um, if you listen to the radio program, radio show, you probably just heard, uh, and maybe you've heard it about for a while now, my big frustration when it comes to Going to Lambeau Field for, for Packers games, the environment there, I, I mean, I love, 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 love going to 1265 Lombardi Avenue. But I feel like there's some areas of improvement. So, Green Bay doesn't know this, Packers don't know this, but I'm hiring myself as Minister of Culture over there, okay? Um, because I think they, they got to improve on some areas of, like, during the game and uh, just kind of making Lambeau feel more of a hostile environment for opposing teams, giving given Lambeau Field more of that home field advantage that, that they've been struggling maybe a little bit here or there. So got that. Um want to touch on, uh, talk a little bit about Lou Gehrig, MLB Baseball, Major League Baseball, doing uh, Lou Gehrig Day, Lou Gehrig's Day. Uh, so I want to talk a little bit about Lou Gehrig because I think he kind of gets, you know, a lot of people remember Lou Gehrig because of ALS, Lou Gehrig's disease. But from a baseball sense, the dude was dominating. And I think casual fans or a new generation of baseball fans maybe don't realize just how awesome Lou Gehrig was. Okay? He was I mean, even when you think of the Yankees and you think of Babe Ruth, you think of Mickey Mantle, Joe DiMaggio, uh, to the newer breeds of like Derek Jeter. And people kind of forget what Lou Gehrig did on a baseball field, in my opinion. I mean, if you read the articles of, you know, some of the all-time greats and, and best first baseman and, and different positions and all that, he, he gets mentioned in there, but... I think there is a there is a group or there is a core of current baseball fans that when they think of Lou Gehrig, they they think of ALS, but they kind of forget about too about just how good that guy was at baseball. So I want to talk a little bit about that. But just right before we started recording this podcast, the lead topic now just was announced or reported a little bit ago. Coach Mike Shashevsky. That's where we're going to lead off with the Man Cave podcast. Coach Mike Shashevsky reportedly 
is going to be calling it a career after this upcoming season and his former player now associate head coach John Shire is going to be named as the new head coach that's the reports John's only 33 I remember watching him when I was in college playing basketball so one of the all-time great coaches not only just basketball but one of the more legendary distinguished coaches of all time is reportedly going to be calling it a career and you know i i wasn't a duke guy you know if, when I, if we were picking between duke and north carolina i was a north carolina guy i had the north carolina hats i had the north carolina tees which is a little interesting considering i never was a jordan fan as a kid but once i got into my college days and and you know back into the high school into the college i was i was a north carolina guy maybe it was because of the color i don't know but i was never a duke fan just to put it lightly and you know when i was in college you had the duke and the north carolina rivalry kind of you know that was i, I still remember watching the game when hansborough just got like laid out and bloody and all that and you know the rivalry was 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 intense I mean, it's still, it's still a rivalry, but those are some of the moments I remember. But there's no denying that Coach K, Coach Mike Krzyzewski, is, I mean, there's no question he's on the Mount Rushmore of college basketball coaches. No question. I'd, you know, I'd probably go with, like, John Wooden, Coach K, Pat Summit, Gino Ariyama. You know, those, those, if we're incorporating both men's and women's basketball, and I know my list will be different than, than a lot of people, but you know, then in terms of like all the sports, every single sport out there, all the coaches out there, he's easily top two, top three, top or top five in all of sports. The thing now that's going to be interesting with, with coach K and it's kind of been talked about leading up to this point that whenever he does retire, who would only who not only would replace him, but just how difficult it's going to be to replace an iconic legend like that. So if it is John Shire, uh, those are some incredibly huge, huge shoes to fill. I mean, you think about some of the the all-time greats that that we've that we've seen at the coaching level, and who replaced them. Not often do you see the replacement having success. Jimmy Johnson and Tom Landry, you know, is is one of the few. You think of Lombardi and Phil Bankston, that didn't work out. You think of, um, you know, you could go through a bunch of different lists and, and possibilities. We'll see about. You know, Hubie Davis and Roy Williams, I just thought of that because of, well, Roy Williams calling it a career, and uh, Hubie Davis, former North Carolina player as well, and, and assistant on Roy Williams' staff, getting uh, getting the nod. I mean, the the list kind of goes on and on. I mean, you go to um, Don Shula with, with the Dolphins and, and such. <laughs> Jimmy Johnson was there too, but um, more you can think about all the different, and I know Bill Walsh when, when he retired, George Seifert. You know, still won some Super Bowls, but that roster was pretty dang good. But for the most part, especially when it comes to like the college game, where you're dependent on recruiting and not keep the jokes aside, 
but not signing players to huge deals or contracts. There's, there's no free agency. When it's about recruiting, it makes a, it's a name game. So John Shire is going to have, you know, obviously he understands the Duke way. He understands the culture. He understands how it works at Duke. He gets that. But man, and I think maybe what it helps maybe a little bit that that Roy Williams, you know, if you talk about the rivalry, isn't going to be there. He's got Hubie Davis, so, you know, Hubert Davis will have a year under his belt before before John gets out there and, and is the main guy. But do you really want to be that guy? Like, I always wonder, do you want to be the guy that replaces a legend? Do you want to be the, the coach that replaces a legend? Do you want to be the coach that's going to replace Bill Belichick? Do you want to be the coach that's going to replace Nick Saban? You know, you look at, like, Phil Jackson, the guys that replaced him. Tim Floyd, nope, didn't work. Do you want to be that person? Yeah, you're you're probably put into a, a, a dang good position, right? A good program or a good franchise. And, you know, you, you got the limelight, you've got the attention, but there's also a lot of pressure that you better win right away. You better win right away. So I, I have to imagine it's pretty dang intimidating. Now I'm not saying nobody should, you know, people should say no. I don't want to replace those that person because, you know, that that's such an icon. That's a legend. I'm not saying that. The excitement I, I would think in the and in the adrenaline would supersede any, you know, doubts or, or whatever have you. I don't I don't I don't know if doubt is the right word to say it, but I think coaches accept that challenge. Competitors accept that challenge, but man, that's that's got to be something. I mean, because especially if you go through a little bit of a lull or a little bit of a losing streak, there's going to be instant calls right away. There's going to be instant talk radio, um, newspapers, Twitter, Facebook. They're all going to kind of question everything. Pressure's going to be there right away, especially when it comes to a program like Duke and you're replacing an iconic legend. And I kind of coach and coach K. Same's going to be with the Patriots with whoever replaces Belichick, Alabama, Nick Saban. Alabama was already like a, a big time program, but they were struggling there for a little bit. Saban goes over there, really resurrects it. But we're seeing an age now. We're seeing an era where, I mean, is it safe to say? I mean, not safe to say, but could you say? Is there a real possibility that you could say that right now in the NFL, in college basketball, both men's and women's, and in college football, the greatest coaches of those sports are currently in it, but maybe approaching the end of their careers? Nick Saban, depends on where you who you view as the greatest college football coach of all time. Coach K, you know, is it between him and John Wooden? Uh, girls basketball, Gino, Pat Summit, NFL, Belichick, Lombardi. We're, we're in an era right now where there's some uh, damn good coaches and some all-timers. And, you know, I don't know how many years Saban and Belichick have left. They're getting up there in age too, but appreciate it. Appreciate history. Appreciate history, but you can imagine now with this upcoming uh, with this upcoming college hoop season, 
a lot of TV networks are going to be having Duke games. And I got to imagine Krzyzewskiville is going to be camped out quite a bit and people are going to try to get tickets. That might be one of the most expensive. Was it a couple years ago? Zion Williamson did games at Duke. The ticket prices were unreal. Got to imagine now ticket prices for the final year of Coach K are going to be extremely high and, and probably a little bit difficult to get too. So, um, but Coach K reportedly going to be calling it a career after this upcoming season. Easily one of the greats. There's no denying it. No argument. Easily one of the greats. The only argument you have, uh, would you put him at number one or number two in men's basketball? Warden or Coach K? To me, that that's the debate. There's no doubt he's top two. Before we get to our next segment here, I want to give a shout out to one of our sponsors, Twisted Tea. I love that stuff, Twisted Tea. I'm a big iced tea guy anyways. You know, I've got the instant iced tea in the pantry. That's kind of my go-to beverage and such. But when it comes to tailgating or or in the backyard, sitting in the back porch uh, with, with summer right around the corner, nothing quenches my thirst like a Twisted Tea, especially the man cans. You know, those big ones right there, just getting them out of the cooler, Ice cold twisted tea. Now they've got a bunch of different flavors. I'm a big like uh, the 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 Arnold Palmer type, the the 50/50 lemonade and and uh, the iced tea. That, that's my favorite one right now. You know they got the raspberry, they got the original, and, and a bunch of different flavors for you to try out. But this summer, when it's getting hot, getting a little warm, and you're sitting in the back porch, you're doing some grill outs, or you know you're doing some tailgating for for some baseball games. Grab a twisted tea. It's going to go down a lot smoother and it's going to cool you down and it tastes great as well. I want to talk a little bit about Lou Gehrig. Uh, Major League Baseball uh, is doing Lou Gehrig Day uh, to create awareness for, for ALS. And, you know, I know it's hindsight's 2020, but it's about time. You know, I, I think it's long overdue uh, to be doing this uh, to create awareness for, for just an awful, awful disease in, in ALS. Love to see more research being done to try to fight this and, and battle this this terrible disease. Um, but with, with Lou Gehrig, what I want to touch on with him is that I think some fans or just casual baseball fans or maybe just casual sports fans in general when 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 you think of the Yankees you think of Babe Ruth you think of Mickey Mantle you think of Joe DiMaggio heck even Roger Maris if you want to go home run record more currently you know Derek Jeter and such uh Yogi Berra and Yogiisms Lou Gehrig gets mentioned but I think a lot of people, maybe not a lot, but there's a good chunk of of baseball people, baseball fans or just casual sports fans that I, th- I think kind of forget just how just how good this guy was on the field. I mean, he was a he, he played you know on the 1927 team, the, that Yankees team that was just unreal. Played with Babe Ruth, maybe got a little bit overshadowed with with Babe Ruth. Babe Ruth, he batted uh, cleanup fourth right behind Ruth, 
But you look at some of the numbers that, that Lou Gehrig put up, and it's just, it's, it's amazing. So he participated in 17 seasons. His first two seasons, he only played 23 total games. His last year in 1939, he only played in eight. We know Lou Gehrig with, with the Ironman streak, too. And, you know, when you think about Lou Gehrig, probably the two main things come is the Ironman streak that Cal Ripken Jr. broke and then uh, with, with his battle of ALS. I mean, he was he was an Ironman. After his first two years, he played in 126 games, 155, 155, 154, 154, 155, 156. I mean, the list goes on and on and on and on. 157. Uh, two of his final three years, that final year, just eight games. I mean, just a devil's machine in the 40s and the 50s. Home runs, 40s, high 40s, had some 30s in there, career-wise of 493. His RBIs, though, you talk in 1927 when he uh, hit 52 doubles, 47 home runs, 173 RBIs. Now, I get it. You know, look, look at the other players he was playing with, and while it's easy to rack up those RBIs, still 173 RBIs. 185 RBIs in 1931, 173 again in 1930, 166 in 1934. Then you look at his batting average. For a career, he was a 340 batting average. And if you take his 17 years that he played in, the 17 years that he played in, he hit over 300 Every single year besides two. That was his third year when he batted 295. Excuse me, three years he, he batted under 300. Uh, his third year he batted 295. His second to last year, 1938, he batted 295. And then in his final year, 1939, when he, bat, when he played in just eight games, he batted 143. Um, his first two seasons where he just played 13 and 10 games, he batted 423 and 500. But he's got a 373, a 374, a 379, a 363, a 354, a 351. That's unreal. Finishing the seasons with, with slugging percentages of like a 706. He was a career three, uh, 632 slugging. OPS, a career 1.080. He had a war of a 114.1. These are ridiculous numbers when it comes to Lou Gehrig. And, you know, obviously the franchise that he played for, he probably gets overshadowed with some of the other players that 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 were, on, were in within the same franchise, maybe even on his own team. But when we think about Lou Gehrig, we think about ALS. And we think about the Ironman streak. Think about the type of player, the ball player that guy was too, and some of the numbers that he put up. Just eye-popping. Just eye-popping numbers. So I think I think we gotta and you look at the strikeout numbers too. Not once. I mean his highest his highest strikeout number was in nineteen twenty seven, that year, where he had eighty four strikeouts. The next highest was uh, his second to last year, 1938-75. But in an 162-game average, he only averaged 59 strikeouts in a season. I know some dudes, some players, it seems like they, they've 
They've already passed that after like the first couple of months of the season. This guy averaged only 59 strikeouts a season. So when we remember Lou Gehrig, and I love the fact that Major League Baseball is doing Lou Gehrig Day to raise awareness for ALS, I think is well overdue. Also remember just just how dang good of a baseball player this guy was. He was amazing. All right, Green Bay Packers. So you don't know this, but I'm giving myself a job at 1265 Lombardi Avenue. I should probably tell my current employer that I am giving myself a job at 1265 Lombardi Avenue. Because I think we need to freshen some things up at, at Lambeau Field. When it comes to game day. So I'm giving myself. Thank you Matthew McConaughey. For the for the inspiration of this title. The title of Minister of Culture. And my objective is. To make the Lambeau Field. Game day environment. Better. What do I mean by better? More enthusiastic. Louder. And more engaging. So. One. You know, I, I, for, before I get to it, I, I thought about, you know, kind of addressing or adjusting the season ticket waiting list. Maybe we need to get some fresher voices in there. Maybe we need to get some fresher blood in there just to, to get a little bit more of a rambunctious crowd. I'm not saying crossing the line or, or, or getting violent or nasty or anything like that. Maybe we just need a little bit more fresher voices, but I didn't want to offend anybody, okay? So I probably just did, but I'm not going to put that as part of my plan. I'm not going to put it as part of my plan yet. Because I feel like I need to prove myself with some of these other um, objectives and, and goals to accomplish at this point. So um, with my, my objective is to make Lam- the, the Lambeau Field environment better. Okay? So my first objective or my first goal is we need to create some more space for tailgating which means we might have to buy up some more land and 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 you know develop the area for more parking spaces i know parking spaces aren't sexy or or anything like that but you know you got the title town district which i have no problem with on the other side but we need to increase some more tailgating spots like you go to you go to American Family Field in Milwaukee. That that's a primo tailgating area. It's a comfortable tailgating area. You're not, you know, scrunched into these small lots and 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 trying to do some little grilling here or there. We need to improve the tailgating experience and 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 invite more people to tailgate. That that's what we got to do. We got to improve the tailgating. We got to add more tailgating space out there. So that would be my number one thing is somehow come up with more space for tailgating, which means we might have to buy up some more property, might have to invest some more money and just, you know, in, invite more people to tailgate, make it easier for people to tailgate. Step two, the stadium needs better music selection. Update somebody's iPod shuffle in that thing. No offense to the Rolling Stones. I don't want to hear start me up every quarter in Lambeau Field. We need a new uh, song for, for introductions, for player introductions. We need 
to to cut back on the Beatles songs. I mean, goodness gracious, there's other music to play that fans can get excited to, to get pumped up. It is a never-ending cycle of the same thing within Lambeau Field during games. The same thing. You can probably schedule your clock by it with the same playlist over and over and over and over. Update the damn playlist. There's other songs out there to choose from. And while we're at it, since we're talking about in the stadium sort of stuff, ban the damn wave. I I, I might sound like an old man on his yard and cursing at the sky. There's no reason there should be the wave anymore. There's no reason there should be the wave anymore. And what really annoys me is when the wave is going on, when your team's on offense, stop it. Sit down. Be quiet when the offense is on the field. Get rid of the wave. Get better music selections out there. I also want to incorporate a fan code of conduct policy. My fan code of conduct policy is reporting any fan that is not standing up On third or fourth down, when your team's on defense, if you're not standing up and you're not yelling, when your defense is on the field on a third down or a fourth down situation, or if they're in the red zone and you need to get it loud, if you're not standing and you're not yelling, other fans can text and report you to where you won't be ushered out of the game but you'll be embarrassed on the big board, on the on the big screen. You'll be embarrassed. You will be peer pressured into doing so. If you're bringing in reading material, I've seen it. I've seen people bring in newspapers at Lambeau Field during a game. If you're bringing in reading material, same thing. Fans will report you. If you're not wearing team gear, or at least the team colors, fans will report you. We need to create a better culture and environment within the game to make Lambeau Field more of a hostile environment for opposing teams. So, how do we get Lambeau Field louder, though? To me, it's simple. You can have that whole decimal thing on the big board and, and try to get it louder and louder and louder. But what what what's in it for the fans after that? I'll tell you what's in it for the fans after that. The louder you get, the cheaper the beer prices are. Yeah, that's right. The louder you get, the cheaper beer's going to be, the cheaper concession, certain concession items are going to be. You get loud at a certain point, you get a dollar off cheese curds. You get loud at a certain point, you get a buck fifty off a twenty ounce beer. That's how you inse- uh, get fans to to be a little bit more loud. Get them a little bit more loud and get that stadium rocking. Give them incentives like beer and cheese curds. And then when it comes to a couple more things, you gotta gotta improve pregame giveaways. No more magnets. No more um, like weird car mirror covers that 
might only fit on a couple of styles of cars and all that sort of stuff, improve it. Like, get it involved so, like, fans can use it during the game, whether it's more rally towels or something like that. Got to improve the the pregame giveaways, okay? It might seem small, but give giveaways that might have an impact during the game. And then the Tundra line. Now, I, there's, we got to figure out a way to improve the Tundra line. Got to improve it. You know, they're good. The, the, the people are talented. Yeah, it's cool and all that. But to me, it's kind of the same thing over and over, over and over. What can we come up with, with different ways to better utilize the, the Tundra line? Or is it as simple as, got to get rid of them? That's open for debate for me, though. But those are my first objectives as the newly minted Minister of Culture for the Green Bay Packers. I'm open to more suggestions. I'm here for the people. If the people have suggestions, the people can send them over. But those are just some of my few uh few suggestions that I would put out there when I do become Minister of Culture for the Green Bay Packers. That's going to do it for this episode of the Man Cave Podcast. Appreciate you all tuning in to this episode of the Man Cave Podcast. Until next time, we'll talk with you all again. Thank you for listening to the latest episode of the Man Cave Podcast. Don't forget to subscribe to the podcast. Now, if you want the music edition, you have to be subscribing on Spotify. If you don't care about the music, well, you can find us on iTunes, Google, Stitcher, even Spotify as well. And don't forget to rate the podcast, too. That way other fans or other listeners can find this podcast. Just make it a good rating. I'm Dan Casper, and that's been another episode of the Man Cave Podcast. Oh,